Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 279 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Well, I want to say a quick welcome to everybody who may be new to the podcast, listening for the first time. Welcome, man. Here's what uh, we do. We're a community of leaders leading in a variety of areas, uh, some in church leadership, a lot in the marketplace. And uh, you know what? leadership is like. You just run into all kinds of issues. And that's what this podcast tries to address. Just this eclectic mix of like team leadership, momentum, growth, challenges, how to relate to other people who are different than you. And just, well, everything from the Enneagram, which we did last week to uh, some incredible stories as well. So uh, bottom line, it's designed to help you lead like never before. And it really is close to my heart to help you thrive in life and leadership. So I hope that is the goal. And uh, you can subscribe for free anywhere you get this podcast. And for all of you who continue to share and leave ratings and reviews, I just want to say thank you. So today uh, I'm going to share with you a conversation I had with Brad Formsma. And Brad's got a really unique story. So he's an entrepreneur, uh, ran a landscape design business for years, and then felt a call to help other people become more generous and founded an organization called I Like Giving. Brad's one of the most connected people I know uh, with high net worth individuals, uh, literally people worth tens, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars. And this has been his life for the last number of years. And we talk about how do you get past like the intimidation a lot of leaders feel in dealing with wealthy people? That's true for those of you who may be in a startup trying to find investors. Uh, How about those of us who are in ministry who are trying to deal with top donors? How does that work? And then when you flip it, what does it feel like as a high net worth individual when you're talking to other people? So uh, we're also talking about how to live a more generous life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be a fascinating conversation. So uh, that's kind of what we do here. Hey, want to thank our partners as well. I know a lot of you are diving into the media options that are offered by ProMedia Fire. And I say, good for you. Now, who is ProMedia Fire? Well, really, it is a fleet. It is an organization full of people who are great at media, whether that's social, design, video, um, like Amber. Amber is a Liberty University graduate with a degree in video production and a passion for media. She could work anywhere, uh, but she wanted to join up with the ProMedia Fire team to help churches reach more people. So at ProMedia Fire, Uh, Amber is part of the video team creating sermon bumpers, social media hotspots from pastor's messages, event commercials, and even storytelling videos. Amber celebrates with the team for the part they play when people come to Christ at a partner church. Now, Amber and the members of the ProMedia Fire team are Christians, and they have a passion to reach more people for Christ with their gifts. They're creatives on a mission. So, ProMedia Fire, here's the bottom line. You get an entire creative team for a fraction of the cost of one staff hire. They know ministry and they know media. And if you need help with custom graphic design and video, check out ProMedia Fire. Listeners of this podcast get 10% off plans for life by going to promediafire.com forward slash carry. That's promediafire.com forward slash carry. And I got to tell you, you'll hear Brad talk about the power of video. Oh my goodness. I mean, he's had 
over 100 million views, probably way more since we did this interview on some of the videos that he and his team have created. That is the power of video. I want to introduce you to a new partner too. Now, these are some friends that I've known for many, many years, and they partner together to bring you Ministry Boost. And if engagement drives attendance, then part of your engagement strategy should be to onboard more people onto volunteer teams, right? Many people serving is directly connected to healthy engagement, but that can be difficult. Maybe you've seen 10 people raise their hands. They're like, hey, I'm going to join your team, but only three or four end up making it onto the team. These guys have a lot of experience. Why? Because they're involved in next-gen ministry. Nobody manages more volunteers than people who handle the next generation. Student, kids ministry, preschool ministry, Nick Blevins, Kenny Conley, and Kevin Monahan are behind it. And collectively, they have decades of experience. I have so much respect for people who kind of know how to do that because let's face it, even as a lead pastor, um, yeah, you're kind of responsible for the whole thing, but you're only managing a handful of volunteers. If you really want to know who does it well, talk to my friends at Ministry Boost. So they provide training for church leaders. They have a course that specifically deals with how to onboard volunteers. It's called the Volunteer Pipeline. It'll help you get more people in your onboarding process and actually plug in a much higher percentage of your volunteer prospects. And wouldn't that be great if you went from like 10 hands up and nine people engaged as opposed to, well, we got two. The Volunteer Pipeline is a $49 course, but right now you can get it for free if you go to this site, ministryboost.org forward slash carry. Build a volunteer pipeline for teams at your church. Have confidence that your new system will drive engagement for your ministry. So just go to ministryboost.org forward slash carry to learn more. And now without much further ado, I am so thrilled to bring you my conversation with Brad Formsma. Brad, it's so good to have you on the podcast. Welcome. It's so good to be with you, Carrie. Yeah, we were uh, in Atlanta for the Orange Conference and Rethink Leadership. So good to be here. Thanks for bringing me in. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I got to ask you, what exactly do you do? Because <laughs> I know we've, we've met on a couple of different occasions. And uh, I mean, to say, well, I work in the field of generosity and I help people become more generous. Like, what does it say on your business card and how do you spend most of your days? Well... Look, I got to tell you, it's an honor to be with you. Mm -hmm. I know some of your past guests, so I feel like I'm in some kind of special rare air. So it's an um, honor to be here. You know, I got to tell you before we get started, your interview with Gary Chapman. Oh, yeah. Something he said really got me. And it was, yes, it's Toronto. Yes, it's 20 below, whatever. Uh -huh. um, yes, I'm just doing a breakout. But somebody hasn't heard the message yet. That got and me. That got, I'm going to remember that till I die, Brad. Like yeah. that, that, if you heard that episode, we'll link to it in the show notes, guys. That blew me away. It was, it was so good for me to say, it is, you know, it's easy to say audience of one. Right. But, you know, after you've been in front of 5,000 or 10,000, like I have, you have, you know, I'm just being honest. Sometimes you'd think, oh, yeah. you know, is it worth it? And to and do I a breakout that. in Canada in January when it's minus 25. Yeah. Uh, because people haven't heard the message and yet you've sold 12 million books. That's, that's <laughs> like, uh, that's insane to me yeah. and very highly motivating and convicting all at the yeah. same time. But your message is yeah. love languages. It's on generosity. Right. And, you know, but I feel that way about getting the message out. But if I could just go back just a little bit, you know, I'm a mm -hmm. 11 years old and yeah. my grandpa was a big uh, Dutch bakery owner. 
Right. And so he picks me up and he says, uh, Bradley, you know, with that big bellowing voice, I'm gonna, we're going to go to the test kitchen and make 16 loaves. And I'm thinking it's all about Brad and fresh bread and mm-hmm. Saturday morning with grandpa, right? And, and yet by the time those loaves cooled off, they went into the trunk. And that really started the trajectory of my life shifting where he modeled the generous life to me. What was Sometimes he doing with he would, those loaves? Well, he would drop them off. So like the first loaf, first drop off was to a widow with two loaves. And he was just so affirming and kind with his words. And so he was modeling generosity of words. Wow. And like the next stop, it would be two more loaves of bread and a check. And he was modeling generosity of money. And, you know, I'm thinking the next stop, like, let's pull the car over and share some bread for us, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, no, the next stop's gonna be two more loaves of bread. And this time it was a letter of recommendation. And so he explained to me, I'm being generous with my influence. And so those are just few of the ways that I started to see and learn, you know, the generous life being um, modeled for me. And so then I went into business and I was kind of minding my own business like grandpa for almost 20 years. Right. And so what did you do? uh, I I was a landscape architecture guy in in the Midwest, in Michigan, and uh, had a company of about 30 people at its height. And um, one day I was minding my own business on a natural beauty road, which in Michigan is like code for gravelly, muddy, dirty. I don't know if you have those in Canada too. Well, I was born in Windsor, so I know Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. And... uh, Everything in my life was working. Good business, beautiful home out in Ada overlooking all this, all these acres. And uh, I said, God, what, what's missing? What, you know, and I got this clear message. I'm gonna use you to encourage people in their giving. You're gonna bring greater hope and joy to people. And then this was the part, you'll influence influencers who will take this message out, mm-hmm. which is my message to many other people. And Carrie, I went home and journaled and I thought, what the heck? I don't even leave town for spring vacation. You know, our business was seasonal. And yet within about a year of that, I ended up selling the company. I didn't get extremely wealthy by any stretch. I sold a service business in Michigan, but it was a transition and I, I, I went for it. And what I started to do to, because I do want to answer your question about what yeah, do yeah. I do? I started pulling people together to talk about generosity without asking them right. for anything. And so they can, tended can I ask to be, you, yeah. Did you, were you generous in your company or were, were yeah. you like average generous prior to this yeah. call moment? Yeah, that's a great catch. So at 28, I transitioned from being the best make believer to really giving my life over to Jesus. So I grew oh, okay. up as a perfect you know, Christian home, Christian school, had all the answers, but it was at 28 with the the birth of our firstborn son that um, I really turned my life over to Jesus. And it's, so we always say the seeds that grandpa planted laid dormant for a while. Mm-hmm. But as I started this business and built it around these seven ways of living generously, those seeds started to, to bloom as I gave my heart to God. And so, yes, we used... Um, the business to be generous, which is a great gift. If you're out there and you have a business, like Whoa. it is so fun to be generous with your business outside of just a check from the business because my, my employees knew, hey, we're doing this one and Brad's not invoicing it. Right. And they all felt like something bigger of, you know, they were part of something bigger. And I would always say to them like, I'm not gonna give at your expense. Like you're gonna get a paycheck. 
Right. This is our decision. This is how we feel led to lead the business. So what would you do with your employees? Because we do have a lot of business owners <laughs> yeah. listening so, as well as a lot know, of church For leaders. us, um, I believe in that Southwest model that your employees are your customer. Right. And so I would, I, it was probably to a fault. I was like a bank for car loans. I Sometimes I would just buy somebody a used minivan if they had been with me, a foreman for a couple of years. And I knew they were having more kids and they needed space. I just buy them a car. We wow. just make it happen. So just out um, of the surplus in the company, you just like, I'm gonna buy a car. Absolutely. Yeah, I do that. And the other thing was, is we were real sensitive. If somebody had something come up where they needed time away, we would just do it and make it happen. And then when we would like landscape churches or, uh, you know, we, I seem to have a knack for finding widows. If you read my book, I mean, I just mm, seem yeah, to like, get on an airplane, I find widows to help, but it's actually a very good way to live, by the way. Yeah. But I would find widows and we would just do stuff at, you know, Evelyn's house. And then I'd just tell the guys, hey, you know, we did all that stuff and we're not billing for it. And mm. so there was just a modeling, you know, and um, you, you can do it daily, do weekly, pro monthly. Bono. Oh yeah. I'm curious, you know, I love the fact that you would buy, uh, you know, somebody a minivan or that kind of thing. Were you ever worried? Cause I know this comes up in church. It's like, you know, it comes up in business, I'm sure too, but that you had to be fair to everybody? Is it like, well, you get a car and you get a car and you get a car? Is it like, do, do you have to turn that into an Oprah moment where everybody gets a car? Or how do you manage that seeming inequality where you do something for somebody, but maybe not for somebody else? Right. Uh, well, one day I was meeting with Herb Kelleher, founder of yeah. Southwest and Colleen. And we had this discussion about the very thing. And I said, how do you guys do it? 50,000 employees, there's no way. You just told me an incredible story. In fact, the story was we had an employee whose ratings with customer service were dropping, but she, they were high for years. So something's wrong. So they went and checked out her and found out having a divorce, just tough time, 1800 hour legal bill hanging over her head like a ton of bricks. Next morning, Colleen said she just tucked 18100s in an envelope. Wow. Left it on her desk. And, you know, so I was asking them the same question as you. And I think the point is this, you do what you can do for one and you respond in that moment. And you, and the other employees get it. They know if they're really sitting around thinking, oh, where's my car? They probably should leave the building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. You know, but you, you're, you're doing it based on what you perceive there to be need uh, and that kind of thing. Okay, well, that's really cool. So you led your business then, which is a landscape architect firm. Yeah. You led that with those principles of generosity after your faith was rekindled yeah. in your late 20s. Um, and then, so God gives you this vision and he's like, I'm going to put you around influencers. Now, did you have a pretty impressive contact list by that point? Or? <laughs> well, I had wealthy customers because usually the kind of landscaping we were doing. But no, it was amazing to watch him work through prayer. Yeah. And then I would just get out there. I love relationships. I love to meet new people. I'm probably woo on the strength finder. So yep. it's like, you know, the world's full of neat people I haven't met. But today... I speak on generosity across the country in churches, um, in businesses. And I also work with some real high net worth families to just help them communicate this generosity message through the generations so that their story and their values pass on. Um, and so that, that's what I do. But then there's kind of a stealth side, which I guess isn't going to be so stealth after this interview, but it's how you and I met. I mm -hmm. two or three times a year convene high-level influencers or wealthy Christians together to just talk about 
generosity in life. And I usually in the process introduce them to some of my interesting friends and yeah. it's a private setting. And um, I just, something I feel called to, I enjoy it. And uh, invite only, right? Yeah. yeah. And so t- tell us a little bit about that. Um, as much as you can, as much as you're comfortable sharing, because I was privileged to be invited there. Yeah. Probably more on the influence side than the wealthy side, <laughs> but it was still great to be in the room. Yeah. Well, uh, I, you know what? Peers influence peers. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I have a big heart for uh, a leading pastor of a larger church who's trying to say, I want to help grow generosity, but I also don't really know how to talk to my mega givers, if you will, right. or high net worth givers. And so, one of the things I do is I'll have a senior pastor come with one or two of their top, top givers, which kind of creates a shared experience. Mm. And, you know, there's no ask around these gatherings. And yeah, they're that was super a big informal. surprise yeah. is, you know, you're not like, please give to my foundation yeah. or whatever. But we got to see somebody and I won't say who, but I mean, it was a person who has a, a very, like they're on a Forbes list. Let's right. put it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. All right. So yeah. when you're on a Forbes list, you're doing okay. And it was just really, they kind of opened their book and said, this is what God's done in the business and this is what he's done for our heart. And mm-hmm. you could see that the business was almost a means to an end, that it had really become a way of becoming more generous. Yeah. Yeah, and I think in those environments, people are looking for a safe place to have a conversation. Yeah. Uh, but I, as you noticed, I didn't send a bio sheet out of anybody coming in the room, which I had the president of Disney come one time and he was like, so been out of shape that I didn't pass it out. I didn't know so-and-so was going to be in here. And I'm like, well, it's my event and I'm, I'm a uh, card carrying nonconformist. This isn't about our day job. What happens when we can just get together and be in a story? And so my whole theme of life is w- stories move people to action. Yeah. And so, you know, that, I mean, that's how I, we- I was connecting through Houston and I ran into a guy at our gate and I'm like, oh, you're going to that event. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to that event. I'm like, did you get any details? He's like, nope. I was like, me neither. Okay, I guess we're going to find out when we land, right? I know we're supposed to meet at Panera Bread for lunch. That's all I know. <laughs> so it was fun. It was great. Um, yeah, you know, that is, that is. I want, I want to get to, okay, I want to get to uh, high net worth individuals because that is a really awkward setting. And I think it's awkward for high net worth individuals. Like, who do you talk to about that? But then for a lot of pastors, if you have a successful entrepreneur in your congregation or a business owner or family, there is that awkwardness because, you know, you don't fly in those circles and you don't know how to talk to that. So I want to come back to that. But Good. I want to talk about abundance mentality awesome. and giving. So I'm a firm believer. I work with leaders all the time. And there's two kinds of leaders, Brad, as you know. Yes. There's a leader who's like, oh, I'm telling you how hard it is in my community and this is why it's not going to work and this is why we can't reach anyone and this is, why, this is why this isn't going to grow. And I'm a firm believer in what Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. And uh-huh. you, you know, an abundance mentality, it's not a stupid mentality, but just that kind of, man, there's all kinds of opportunity here. What are we going to do? Uh, how do we make this happen? Do you find that there is a link between an abundance mindset and generosity? Oh, absolutely. Now, here's what I find interesting, though. Some some faith-based leaders talk abundance mentality, Mm -hmm. but they don't full circle it. And so they're not living it themselves. They want you to be abundant. That just drives me nuts. So you know what? I love all of you, but knock that off. Don't do that. (laughs) I mean, check your heart, right? As as somebody says. John Chris. Yeah. Yeah. So you just go... 
what what there is really going on. But from an abundance standpoint, the, what I see is it's like a muscle carry. Hmm. So the more that we give, we it gets exercised, and it's a it's a faith, it's a whole faith experience when we live generously and when we see the world from an abundance standpoint. Because you're really saying, trust in God, oh my word, we're going to write a bigger check or we're going to move in this direction. Do I believe that he's got it? But you're also going up against a scarcity mindset. And this is really pervasive in nonprofits. Mm. I won't tell you one the name of it. But yeah. the other day I had someone say, well, I work for so-and-so and they have hundreds of millions of dollar budget and we're such good stewards. I'm, oh. not, I'm not allowed to buy Starbucks at the airport. And I'm like, do you really sit in a donor's living room and tell them that? I want to kind of throw up in the bush right now. Yeah. And, and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we tell them that. Oh yeah, yeah, they love that. And I'm like, that's just gross, okay? You're, you're traveling and you can't expense a cup of coffee. And so that that to me, we we use these words and we try to cover that stewardship, uh, you know? And I'm like, no, like I love to give good gifts. I don't like to give junk, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. mean- and so I think Jesus gave us the ultimate gift. Like, let's not do junk for Jesus. That's a whole nother one of my soapboxes. Is right. If I see another old computer out at our church in Southern California that somebody donated, right. I'm like, that's not giving, that's dumping. Yeah. Stop that too. <laughs> I got this uh, beautiful HD TV, you know, from 2004. I'm sure you can use it. Yeah, it's three yeah. and a half feet thick. You know, it's, it's interesting. Every time I hear someone use the phrase, I'm just being a good steward, that almost always to me seems to be a code word for cheap. Am I, am I right in that? Uh, you know what? It sure feels that way. Okay. Oh, gosh. I'm just being a good steward. No, you're being cheap. And uh, in the long run, I think cheap is more expensive. You got to buy it twice, right? If you have a dollar store mentality. And there's nothing wrong with the dollar store. We get stuff at the dollar store too. But yeah. I'm just saying that idea that, oh, we'll just have used everything or, or we can't do it. We're, yeah, okay. Well, that, that's good. Say more. Well, when I think about how the church world has told itself, if we advertise our frugality so hard that somehow that's going to invite somebody to want to give more. And I appreciate good financial standards. I was mm-hmm. just at a wonderful church, Calvary in Albuquerque, I mean, they're dialed in. There's accountability and all that kind of stuff. But it was still a wonderful setting. They took great care of us. You could tell they didn't have worn out carpet. You know, so there's a balance there. Be be good and with your financial controls, but let's not um, let's not play to try to get something from somebody uh, just out of the lack. Oh, there's not enough. You know, the sky's falling. Uh, if we don't do it yeah. today, it's never going to happen. I just doesn't seem to work. Where would you say the line is between cheap and extravagant? And maybe even <laughs> extravagant isn't the word. Uh, oh. I know when we built a few years ago at Connexus Church, and that was one of my last uh, sort of acts as lead pastor before I moved into a founding role, I said, the line we want to find here is we want to find excellent but not opulent. Yeah. We, I don't want anyone to walk through this place and go, wow, but I mean, it's going to cost you some money on AVL. It's going to cost you some money to, you know, buy your, I just got a new iMac. It's like, yeah. it's Canadian pricing, but it's like five grand. Like if you really want to podcast well, you're going to have to get the RAM and get the hard drive and get this and get that. And, you know, I want, I want the team to have the tools they need to do the job. 
rather than sitting there behind some Pentium 4 computer that got <laughs> outdated, you know, 20 years ago, yeah. uh, waiting, waiting for uh, data to load. So where, uh, where is that line? Do you have any guidelines? Okay, Carrie, look, yeah. I live in the backyard on a hill behind Mariner's Church. That's right. my home church. I don't know if I'm a good guy to speak oh, the to spa? this. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> I mean, Eric. Sorry, yeah, Eric yeah. Geiger. You know, we have just a, um, a beautiful <laughs> campus. It is debt-free. That's another wonderful story. Yeah. And uh, I think Kenton did a great job with it. He said, yeah. we're going to build to the, you know, somewhat relative to the culture here. Well, it's Orange County. Yeah. So, you know, that is, uh, I, I'm, I'm a little bit, maybe not the guy to ask on that line. Right. Uh, but I would say... Yeah, but you know what? I don't know that that Mariners is opulent because I've spoken there many times right. I um, at events. I It's gorgeous. I mean, the landscaping is incredible, but you go inside, it's not like gold lined this and platinum this. And, you know, yeah. it's a nice auditorium that seats a couple well, thousand it, people. You know what? It Function is huge. Yeah. That place, I'm so proud of our church. I mean, I drive by there on a Saturday morning. The entire corner is filled with a farmer's market hmm. and they don't pay a dime. Yeah. The church trains are running. You know, you have conference after conference there. And so I love how they use their facility. And so it's not just, oh, we built this beautiful opulent place for us on a Sunday morning, which I've seen in, in some denominational settings where it's like, no, you can't come in here. Uh, hey, let's build it well and then use it and uh, share it. It's interesting too, when we talk about the psychology of giving or what it does for you. Uh, I love the part of your book. Your book's called I Like Giving. You got a couple of books. You wrote one with your son as well, which we'll <laughs> talk about at the end. But in I Like Giving, you quote um, research that says, it, and again, this isn't Christian research, but they looked at um, business graduates who were focused on profit making. And they discovered that they were generally... Uh, higher levels of anxiety, stress, and depression if you yeah. focused on making money. Yeah. Which is really interesting. What What do you find about the benefits of generosity as opposed to hoarding or skimping? Sure. Well, we so I got that research from Daniel Pink, who mm-hmm. uh, I've I write, written about him. He's written about me in his books. And I, I really like just his perspective on on several things. But he was talking about the intrinsic and extrinsic kind of positioning. Mm-hmm. And so the intrinsics is more of a outside focus of, you know what, I care about a greater good. You know, I put it in terms of this, setting a goal that I want to make money to give money versus right. that extrinsic was more, of, I'm all in this for the money. And as that room that we sat with with a bunch of CEOs, clearly there was a desire to make profit yes, legally and everything else. But we, that was like number two. Number one was the why we're doing this so that we can give away like recklessly crazy. Mm-hmm. And so I think if I look back at that research in the book, you know, which has been out a number of years, I would say it's really about what order do you have those in? But from a health benefit standpoint, my friend, Stephen Post wrote this book, why good things happen to good people. And what, what I always bring this up when I'm at churches speaking, because I like to talk about the benefits of giving. Right. You know, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. A generous person will prosper. Okay. It's there. You know, that word prosper gets banged around a little bit. I love it. And I think it's a a, a powerful word. But you, Stephen Post says, you live 10 years longer and take half of the medicine if you are generous in three ways each week. Hmm. And, and I like giving and my work, we ought, we talk a lot about seven ways to the generous life, right? right? So generous with thoughts, 
boy, that's a big one, right? I'm mm. love your neighbors yourself. And I'm like, man, I feel sorry for some people's neighbors. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and even my self-talk and self-thinking, you know, I got to go on a walk and clear that out. You know, Generous I'm, to yourself. Yeah. yeah. And then the second one, generous with words. That's so important, you know, build mm. up or tear down and generosity of money, of course, that softens our heart. We're more like Jesus. Um, and the generosity of influence, that's one that I push on a lot because I'm with a lot of people who are worried to, to do that and share that in, in the light of, oh, my friends are maybe going to expect me to have to, you know, they're going to put me on some list somewhere. So it's very spirit led, but I've really been stretched on being more generous with my influence. I mean, the other mm. day I was at a, a brunch at the montage. Sorry, somebody had to do it. <laughs> and we ended up with, at Henry Cloud's table. And so the like five of us were sitting there and we got chatting and it just popped in my head. You know what? There's a billion dollar company I'm working with right now that from the adventure leadership stuff that Henry's doing, they would really benefit. And I've done some things with them, but not a ton. And I drove home and I thought, I'm gonna, introduce, I'm gonna share that relationship. I'm gonna give that. And so Henry's assistant was our, you know, president was like, are you, are you crazy? Are you, you know, and I'm like, you know what? We're all going in the same direction, I hope. He didn't ask me for that, but if I can help him, you know, and so we all, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't of another pastor friend having introduced me to you years yeah. ago. So you got to trust it. It's got to be spirit led. But sometimes we get so focused on our own program that we realize I can help other people. Yeah, that's really interesting. I want to park on influence. We're going to come back to money. And I, I do want to talk about that because we don't talk about it on this podcast a lot. But, you know, occasionally, I don't get this every once in a while, but sometimes people will be like, how do you get those guests? Do you pay them? And it's like, no, I've never paid a guest. Mm -hmm. It's it's like you you invite them. Hopefully it's helpful. At the beginning, I think it's an act of charity to be on a podcast, right? It's like, <laughs> okay, Andy Stanley kicked this one off when I had zero listeners, which was really nice of him. But, you know, and now, obviously, we have we have hundreds of thousands of listeners a month to this show, which is unreal. And so it's helpful, you know, people, people get introduced. So there's that mutuality. But I found when it comes to influence networks and connecting people that, I don't know, I just feel like you can't be too generous in just giving your time and influence yeah. uh, away. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's true, but I think you also have to really, really be aware that it's not always going to have the end result that you want. I write about this in my book. You know, when, right. we, when you give a gift, are you expecting a certain kind of response? And I had it a couple of weeks ago. There's a big conference going on right now, not yours. Mm. And I made a connection for them to get their lead speaker. Never heard anything from the guys that do it. And I don't even really know them. And on one of my low days with my self-talk going, you know, uh, poor Brad, uh, I thought, you know, he didn't even ping me back. Like, to hey, say, hey, thank thanks you. for setting that yeah, up. Like I, I'm yeah. not, I, I'm not a gatekeeper or anything like this, but I shared a relationship. Sometimes my wife's like, does that ever frustrate you? And I said, only briefly. And then I realized mm. it's not about me. There's something bigger going on here. And you know what? You do reap what you sow. I'm not a give to get kind of guy, but you know what? I just keep showing up and I, um, you know, I, pro I probably won't be jumping up and down to just think about that person and how I can help them more. Mm -hmm. um, not in a punitive way, but just kind of like, eh, I don't know if our relationship's yeah, there. Yeah, I'm but, so relational about it. But like, there should I, be a, a reciprocity and a mutuality to it as well, right? Yeah. And then I often find that the harvest comes, if it, if it comes, well, you, you, you do harvest what you sow, 
but it often is delayed. Yeah. Like you might think, okay, I did something for that guy two years ago. And again, I'm, I don't have a scoreboard. I'm not that right. kind of personality. Uh, but then you're shocked because yeah. two years ago they remember you or two years later they remember you and it's like, hey, do you want to meet so-and-so or mm -hmm. whatever? So the principle there is be generous with your influence, yeah. be generous with your relationships. Okay, so yeah, and then it rolls, and then it rolls into time. Yeah, so generous with time, which really works great on the church side because we've got data that says, look, when volunteering goes up, giving goes up. Ah, I think every mega. Every mega pastor, every pastor listening just said, I heard that. So <laughs> yeah, when yeah. we come in, I camp on these seven ways and we'll get to attention and sharing our stuff in a second. But it's get, helping people realize it's a form of generosity to give your time. Hmm. And when you do that, your treasure goes there, your heart goes there, and they begin to connect more with the needs they're more familiar with what's going on. They're seeing some things behind the scenes, how the money's being used which is a big deal, and they give more. So Barna did this beautiful study on a huge correlation. So anyway, then generosity of attention, that one, I almost wish I didn't put it in the list of seven because it's like, it's killing me, Carrie. I mean, yeah. we were at a gathering the other night and I was talking to a guy and I kept gazing over his shoulder oh, yeah, at I'm someone who I wanted to catch up with and I kept going, you dingling, you talk yeah. about this. You're supposed to be the generosity Soul expert. Focus. You, yeah. what are you doing? And then it wasn't 24 hours later. I'm at a nice restaurant with my wife on a date. It's just, everything's going well. I happened to hear my phone buzz, looked at it, and then looked around the room before getting back to looking at her. And in that moment, I looked around the room and I'm like, look at all these stupid people on their phones at this nice restaurant. <laughs> and it, I was on it. <laughs> and I'm like, I think that that five ounces of plastic and glass and technology we're mm -hmm. carrying around is like this anti-attention generosity yeah. thing. And so, you know, I just bring it up to say, we all can do better on this. I, I'll use an I statement. I can do better on this because we know when someone's been fully present with us yeah. and we know how it feels. And I think it could be one of the most powerful ways mm -hmm. of being generous. I, I just have to tell you the day I spent with Herb Kelleher yeah. and he's sitting at his desk and he's sucking on a cigarette and there's another one in the ashtray and they, I walk in and he jumps up and comes over and bear hugs me. And I'm six, four. I think he's about the same height. Yeah. I hear it crackling over my ear <laughs> and he's like, Brad, it is so good to be here. You're my new friend. And he was eyes locked on me. And I'm going, this guy's got 50,000 employees. Yeah. And we got towards the end and he says, I want to get my picture with you, but I came in here, they cut my hair. I got to comb my hair. And he ran down the hallway to get a comb and he came back. How's my hair look? And they're like, Herb, you got a conference call. And we can't say the four letter word that he yeah, used yeah, on yeah. your podcast, but he's like, ah, pot, you know, I'm yeah. not doing it. I'm here with Brad. I will never forget that. Man, oh man, So Brad. can we give people that gift? And you know, you go, hey, wait a minute. I've got a church of all these people. How do I do that as a senior leader? It can be a brief moment, mm -hmm. full attention. I saw you do X, Y, Z, be specific, and then move on. People yeah. understand. You don't have to turn an hour conversation and do it. And you can't always engage every time. But you know, I've yet to meet a Southwest employee. And I talk to him all the time just because I love the culture love the company, who says, you know what? Herb blew me off. Wow. And they had, a, they had brief encounters with them. But they would say things like, 
I'll I'll take his call at three in the morning and be down in the jet bridge in Nashville for him. How long did you spend with that guy? Uh, 30 seconds, one time like in training in 77. Okay. So anyway, attention matters. And then sharing our stuff. It's the last thing, you know, you had asked me about some, um, how do you engage with high capacity donors and such and characteristics of them. And those that have a lot of resources that are generous, they share their stuff. Like they go share, use my house at the beach, that uh, kind of thing? Kind of yeah. like, um, I have a house in Park City, Utah, and here's the gate code. And when you go in, just stop at the front desk and you can charge at the clubhouse. And by the way, did you need money to get, get out there with your family? And you really see that. And part of my part of my calling, I think, is to just speak reality into some of these guys because right. I love them, but they get out of touch with reality because they've had a lot of margin for a long time. Right. So I always say, you know, I like the idea of yearly bread. These guys live in like decade bread, okay? And I know Jesus says daily bread, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've, and they've so got they a just, bit. They haven't had a scare in a while. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You know, and so you try to say, if you're gonna give somebody the opportunity to go to your lake house or your, you know, wherever, well, why don't you buy them flights to get there too? Cause that's kind of like giving me a jet airplane. I can't buy the jet fuel. Exactly. So yeah, you know, yeah. just helping them see that. Oh, and, and one time there was like, really? That like that that that's an issue? And I'm like, yeah. They yeah. got six kids. Yeah, exactly. You're that's- giving them your 14,000 square foot house up in the mountains. I get it. That is awesome. And you're covering everything. But you know, he's a he's pastor. He doesn't ha- he can't just buy six flights. Yeah, oh. you know, uh, that's such and a And they love it because they're like, thank you for that perspective. I don't know if you've met Reggie Joyner or not, but uh, I met him almost 15 years ago now. And they were just starting Drive Conference at North Point. And he said, why don't you come on down? Andy and I just put together the Drive Conference. And I'm like, oh, that would be great. And he says, we'll get you in for free. But it was exactly that point. I didn't, I didn't have the budget for flights and our church didn't. And uh, they flew me down. Mm-hmm. Like it was incredible. And not only me, but our staff. And, and when was this? This was in 2005. Oh, and so 14 years later, we're 14 still years talking later, about it. I'm sitting, I'm sitting, yeah, exactly. Okay. And I've worked with Reggie. It's funny, it's a It's a fun thing. I've worked for free for a number of months now too, uh, yeah. just with a, a border thing, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah. But anyway, you know, and, and it just creates that kind of loyalty and th- that stuff you just never forget. Yeah. And now, you yeah. know, I can afford my own ticket, but- mm-hmm. Yeah, you remember when you couldn't, and that's really good. And again, you know, I think the principle here for most listeners is, yeah, I'd love a fourteen thousand square foot lake house I could send out, but you got to be generous with with what you what have. You, have, you know, you I have. mean, yeah. right down to we live in a neighborhood. Uh, I got a brand new fertilizer spreader. I'm sharing that with my neighbor. You know, or here, you want to use my snowblower? He's got this mm-hmm. tractor, and I still do that myself. I enjoy doing it. But I got a nice snowblower. So it's like the neighbors want to use it. You go ahead and use it. You want to use my car, use my car, yeah. like that kind of stuff, right? Well, You're and talking it, about average everyday stuff. It, absolutely. And mm. it, it's also so good for our heart. Like I, I have a convertible that I happen to, to love. Oh yeah, uh, you've offered I, it to me. Well, you said when you're in Orange County. Yeah, I, and, and I did that and I meant it, but I bring it up to say, I don't ever want to hold on to my stuff too tight. And it's just a good exercise to go, Carrie's going to be in Orange County in the next month and he's going to have a lot of fun. And I don't know how it's going to come back, but you know what? I want to share it. (laughs) And number one thing I hear from pastors, they'll say, hey, 
tell me how to talk to our major givers. Tell yeah. me how to engage them. And we actually put together a resource, a free resource at ilikegiving.com backslash pastor guide. Oh, cool. So we'll link to that, that in the that, show notes. That's got a lot more of a detail. But one of the things is understand it's important to be relational. Put yourself in their shoes. And because I'm not a mega millionaire, but I can speak to what they think about, they don't want to be viewed as an ATM. Mm. They don't want to always be asked. So look at it relationally. I had a leader of a huge university tell me one time, Brad, I never expect a six, seven, or eight-figure gift inside of five years with less than 20 touches. And we live in this- Really? We live in this instant world where it's like, oh my gosh, building fund. We, we need our down payment. You know, everybody run, you know, if we don't do this, you know, the neighbor's going to buy it and then we can't expand our church. And it's, it, you know, urgency, urgency. And yet it takes time. If that's where you want to go, good on you. But understand, it will take you time to cultivate and develop relationships with these givers and get to know a few things about their family. And some people might be listening to this going, but I got a church at 20,000. How do I do that? Yeah. You know what? You're going to have to find how to work that out in your schedule. How many touches a year? Three, six, once a month. But you know what? If you aim at it, I think they honor it. All the people that I know that have wealth, they love to be asked if they know they're not the only ones being asked. Mm. Right. Remember that room we were in, mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of the people in the room is a billionaire. And, and I said to him, you know, how do you handle this at your church? And he said, I just want to know other people are playing. And then right. I'll be I don't want to be the only in. one. Yeah. And so they want to do that. And, you know, and so there's so many other details on that resource that I no, really but encourage to know more people to, about yeah. that. Um, and I think, I think you're right. You know, having sat in that uh, lead pastor seat for two decades, Brad, I can tell you one of my early rookie mistakes was you only talk to key donors when you need money, which is a mistake. Or you only talk to your church, period. It's like every, every time you open your mouth about money from the yeah. platform should not be when you need money that you should be doing things for people, like helping them with their personal finance, just preaching on it and not doing a specific ask. Yeah. But um, so what do those touches look like? And, and let, me, let me ask the question that I'm sure is on some people's mind because I can, I can imagine the comments. It's like, well, isn't that favoritism? Like then yeah. you, should, you should have, you know, touches as you call it or, or a relationship built with everybody or mm -hmm. with all donors or the people who give nothing. What do you, what do you say about that? Well, I think most of the people that I know that have a lot of resources have the gift of giving. Now, whether they've developed it or even realized that they have it is another thing. Right. But I think as a senior pastor, as you're shepherding and leading people, it is helpful to understand that it's not, you're not trying to get something from them as much as you're trying to get something to them. Mm. And there's something about helping them um, understand that there are other people like them at church. I know when I years ago went to a church, I was like, can I find anybody that likes to give and who dares talk about it? Because it's an exciting, thrilling, fun life. I mean, all the generous people I know, they just have more fun. I mean, you never say, I want to, I want you to meet my Sally. She's so stingy. She's awesome. She'll take you out for lunch. <laughs> It'll be all, you know, you'll sit there and, you know, you'll wonder who's going to get the check. No, it's always like, I want to meet I, I want to meet your friend so-and-so. They seem generous. And it's not just with money. There's usually a spirit about it. So I say, 
I don't think it's favoritism. I say it's part of you discipling them in a unique way. And there's so many other areas outside of the church that you can have shared experiences. It's part of why we do some of the events that we do because we want to help give givers an opportunity to be able to be with peers and to be challenged. Uh, the way the touches could look like, it could be, you know, this is basic stuff, a simple short handwritten note, a couple sentences, just thought of you today. Or, hey, I heard that so-and-so was sick in your family. And, you know, you can put this in a CRM system. This does not take a mm. ton and ton of time. But I put this resource together. Literally, I hear it all the time. You know what? We're, we're not talking to our major donors the right way. And part of it is, this is the one I get most. Help us talk to our major donors so that we can pay this place off. Oh, wow. And I'm like, okay, I love you, Pastor. I'm here. Okay, but, but I'm not the giving hit, man. You had me in one Sunday to talk about a generous life. If they're not going to respond that way. Now we've had right. some funny stories of people giving big checks, you know, but that's the, the, beside the point. I'll say to a pastor, so I noticed your seven, seven phase plan on the back wall in the narthex. So yeah. do you know what your givers see there? They go, we get you out of the hole. He's going to jump right back in, <laughs> you know? And so they're, they're ROI kind of people. They want to see where the money's going to go. Does it make sense? They'll do it and they'll, they'll step in and they'll take risks, but they just don't want to feel like they're the only ones. And they, they have a filter that would blow your mind. You know, I say, put your shoe on the other foot. So pastors kind of have that feeling inside, like this yeah. person's trying to get to me or get something from me. Business people, people with wealth and heritage or whatever, they have that radar strong. They can really? smell motive a mile away. And so if you're true, you know, you check your heart. If you're, if you care about them and over time, and then you're clear on vision, you know, I, I think you're going to see amazing things happen, but it's a process and we live in an instant world. I said it before, we mm. want it right away. I want things right away, but I, I noticed the givers that are real serious about it, they'll maybe step in a little bit and watch how it's responded. And you know, if they tell you, we want to give you a million dollars to pay down debt, I got, I got an idea for you. Pay down debt and keep the receipt from the bank. I know one story where the giver came back the next year and said, I just don't like the debt at our church. If I give you some more money, would you pay down the debt? Pastor said, yes. Okay, will you show me where last year's million came off the books? Called his bookkeeper and she came right in, showed the million came right off. The guy wrote a check to pay off the remaining debt of the church. Wow. So I'm not all big on you know, giving with strings attached, but I'm just saying, if you yeah, have a giver yeah. someday, and I tell pastors, pray that a giver will say to you, what do you need? And you can say, I'm believing we can go debt-free and we'll never go back. We want to model something different to the church. Because I really care about that mm -hmm. side of it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The church keeps borrowing. Why would we expect the people at the church to not borrow? You no, know? that's and, and, very, very true. Well, um, you mentioned the filter for large donors, for, for large givers, high, high net worth people. What is that filter? What are they thinking? Well, they're human beings. Yeah, they, yeah. You know, nobody yeah. wants to feel like they're an object or an ATM and it, it gets gross. And then when you're uncomfortable with that person, they can feel that. Yeah. And so if you go into it from a relational standpoint and even, 
I, I had a pastor call me the other day and say, I've got a $20 million campaign. How do I talk to him? And I'm like, okay, well, now we decided as a board to do the campaign. Now we want to figure out how to talk to him. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're a little bit late to the party. <laughs> like, I'm not the quick fix guy. I want to make, you know, like, yeah. this is a heart thing. But I think that they're looking for people that can clearly articulate vision and, you know. Yeah, and and okay, so another issue I know is a lot of pastors are intimidated by people because pastors are making a pastor's salary, mm -hmm. right? And you get this guy who's making 5X, 10X, 100X what you are, depending on the situation or woman. And like, how do you get, if you feel intimidated, what are some keys? Any tips on overcoming well, that? I, I'm an I'm a vulnerability junkie, right? Townsend lives down the street, John yeah. Townsend, and you know, so we've done things together. And you know, he's always like the missing thing in relationships is vulnerability. So think about this: you're a senior pastor, and I'm you know, got lots of bucks guy, and we go out for coffee, and and I say something to you like, you know, Carrie, I'm I'm a little uncomfortable. Like, I, I'm not sure I understand your world and, you know, you might not understand mine, but I, I just would like to be friends. Uh, I also want to pastor you and lead you well, but I, I kind of, I, do, I don't want it to be weird. Like these are just, and express some of your feelings or express how you're, yeah. take that risk. Do you know how disarming that is for hmm. a giver to go, wow, I never saw it. I think we miss so much of this stuff by just not calling it out. Like, you know, this is, this is interesting for me. I, you know, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to connect with you because you, you go to Telluride every other month, Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and you get, um, I had a giver one time, well, you know what? I, that's not the right word. Giver is not the right word. I had a guy who thought he was generous, which is an area we should talk about for a moment. Like sure. there are, there are people who think they're generous because of the way the church and other ministries have treated them because of the size of their gift. And I would say it's all relative. Right. Okay. So I tell you 25 grand or more in Christian world, it will get you to all the events, probably closer up to the pastor. I mean, generally right. speaking, and if you go 50, you're for sure in that tight club, but it's all relative and zeros and commas, baby. So, you know, yeah, what? exactly. I, I was sitting with this one guy who sold his company for over a hundred million. And he's like, I've been looking at helicopters and I'm like, I haven't looked at them in a while. Like, what are those sticker for? And he's yeah. like, well, the one I need to get, you know, and I've loved the need word in there. It was like one nine. And I'm like, oh, and he's like, do you think God would be mad at me if I bought a 1.9 million? I said, ask him. I'm not God. I mean, <laughs> you know, for crying out loud. I mean, Ramsey calls me the giving guy, but I don't have all the answers. Okay. But I said this to him and I think it was the Holy spirit. I said, you know, what if you gave 1.9 million away and took some time to do that? You just didn't throw one big check somewhere, but you said, because I challenged these guys, you spent so much time earning and accumulating and making this fortune and you spent almost no time figuring out where to deploy it or where mm. to seek the voice of God. So would you just take some time alone, go to your lake house for two days, pray, skip one meal. There's a thought and just go, <laughs> you know what? Um, what do you have me do Lord? So I bump into this guy two months later, he's all excited. He's showing me pictures of his helicopter. And I'm like, 
dude, that is awesome. Mm. Uh, and I know you're getting trained and I won't be flying with you anytime soon. Yeah, that's right. And, Come with me on my maiden flight. And I said, no. I said, how did that process go? Like deploying that other one nine? Oh, that. Oh, and I didn't do that. And I just kind of walked away like, doggone it. And, you yeah, know, yeah. I've had subsequent conversations with that guy. He said to me, he said, I'm the rich young ruler. I mean, Whoa. he's literally said that to me. But I see him at events. He writes checks, you know. Yeah. But his $50,000, $100,000 check It's like is, a 50 to me. Or yeah, you. it's like a $50. Yeah. yeah you know. And, and I'm not saying this in judgment. Please don't hear me in judgment. I'm just trying to give perspective that, as leaders, we also have to be careful that we're helping grow the giver in the grace of giving. And we're not, uh, we're not giving them extra status. And, you know, um, well, and that's a hard one because you're not getting into their financials. You don't know. No, you, you um, really don't know. And what seems generous may be stingy. And we always talk about at our table at our local church, you know, the single mom who might have a gift of $1,200 for the entire year that could end up being way more sacrificial than the guy who's dropping 50 grand. Probably is, actually. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, a loaf of bread costs the same whether you're a millionaire or whether you're poor. Yeah. Um, same with the tank of gas. Uh, you know, prices are, don't vary according to income. And so we try to be really sensitive to that to realize that the size of the check is not always indicative of the size of the gift. And one of the reasons when I got the call to start, I like giving and do the work we do, mm. it was to say, how do you take generosity and make it daily, weekly, monthly? And I really had this group of people in mind. I think there's like 175,000 families in the US that have a 25 million or more net worth. That's a lot. And I've had some of them say, particularly one billionaire say to me, you've changed my daily interactions in view of people because of the kind of pedestrian level stories that you tell. And I, I wanted to get them back into, it's okay if you, I'm, it's not bad to have tens and tens of millions. It's just that you're still a human being mm -hmm. and you're walking past other people and you have a lot of power and influence, but your heart, for your heart as a giver, we need to constantly be positioned at being generous. And I like the seven because you can take them wherever you go, including the airport. Mm -hmm. Okay. And including for me, the doctor's office. I'm, I'm, I'm in a battle, Carrie. Yeah. You know, I got to go with my, my doctor's. A, he's an interesting piece of work and that's generous with my words, mm. you know? And uh, he's, but I can do simple things and give in a way that will, um, soften my heart and get the focus off of me and onto others. What would be an example with your doctor? So my doctor, I, I went in um, one day and he said, what are you thinking about? And I said, I'm believing that God's going to heal me of this blood cancer, this mm -hmm. uh, rare form of leukemia. And he goes, I like your shoes. I mean, that quick, half second. And I'm like, what in the heck? And he's like, I like the buckle. And uh, I'm like, that's kind of weird. I and just then he, talked about my cancer. Yeah, yeah. And then he moved to the stitching on the shoe. So I'm like, now we crossed the line to really weird. So I said, well, what are yours like size 10? He goes, you think you're so smart. They're nine and a half. And I'm like, well, and I'm, I'm in, in my head. I'm like, you're so dumb. You just gave me the answer. Because <laughs> look, I'm Dutch, but I like nice. So I go to Nordstrom Rack for stuff. I went to that Nordstrom rack and they had a nine and a half no on the way. shelf. So I bought them. 
And uh, I brought it home and uh, I wrote a note. And the note I wrote, Dear Doc, thanks for using your God-given gifts Hmm. to help a guy like me stay around a little longer. Hmm. And then I think Jesus is okay with this second part I wrote. A little snarky. I said, um, well, these will help you be one step more like me. (laughs) That's awesome. And he called me up a week later after he got him. He's like, I read your book. You're crazy. You think a generous world is a better world for all of us. And I said, I do. Hmm. But you know, in that moment, it, the focus off of me and off of chemo and off of, hey, look, I, I'm, I'm a human being. Poor Brad, right? Why do I have to screw around with this? this is, I don't like this. this. I don't like having depression feelings. I don't like mm. fatigue. But you know what? Um, I, God's called me to something here, Carrie. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I, I want more people to experience the joy of giving. And I, and I think the word generosity goes way past the church. Mm. And that's why I, as a business guy, I feel called to the marketplace. It's so fun to bring these seven ways to work. Just think about it. Um, is it generous to um, think about pushing send? Like, think about it this way. I would restate it. So you write your email that you're just furious about and you want to punch it out and just Send it over the bow. Oh, always a mistake. Is it generous mm-hmm. to wait a day? Yeah. I was at a company, good sized company in the Midwest, and they got a report back from one of their employees whose wife says to him a week after I was there, and it wasn't me, it was stories, and I think God mm. working in his life. She said, Why are you being so nice to me? <laughs> it had nothing to do really? with their core business. I had just told a story about, you know what? We can be kind with our words. It doesn't take that much more effort. It's good for our heart. I mean, these are all, you know, some companies I go to, they're billion-dollar companies. They're not faith-based, but they're good-hearted. So I just talk about the spirit of generosity. Some mm. really want you to take it up further. But just stories are the way, Carrie, to help mm. break through, I think, the crust around the heart. I want to ask you a few more questions, and I want to get to your videos, too. What would you say the biggest barriers to giving are to a generous spirit? Like when people just say, I don't think anybody ever says, I'm not going to be generous. Maybe that does happen. But who end up living an ungenerous life? Like, what do you think some of the the reasons are that people are like, yeah, not opening my pocketbook. Yeah, I'm not going to be charitable with my words. Yeah, I'm keeping my stuff. Yeah. Why, why, you why know, what, what I've discovered is I'm going to go with wrong teaching. I'm going to, I'm going to go on family of origin, your upbringing. The number of people that say to me, well, my grandpa always said, watch out for those churches. All they want is your money. And you all finished the sentence already. And so we have that problem. But you know what? I think it comes straight from the pit of hell. I Hmm. think the devil himself knows that this message is so powerful. You let your light shine before men. When you're kind, somebody goes, why did you do that for me? When you're, when you're generous with your resources, Jesus knew this, you, you soften your heart. I talk about these four-letter words, right? Debt. Mm. You guys should have seen Carrie's face. I just said four-letter word. He's like, uh. oh no, four like, don't do it. Okay. I trust you. I trust you, Brad. We're good. Debt, fear, busy, duty. 
I mean, if you just start to unpack some of those words, they start to kind of make sense. Like, yeah, uh, some of the giving we've done over the last couple of years has been hard. Why? Because I don't know what my future exactly looks like. Hmm. You know, I, I, I have life insurance, whatever. I don't want to go down that road, but you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. but we've made a decision as our buddy Batterson says to a pre-decision to live generously. So then when the storms of life come, yeah. when cancer comes, when short things, you're a little short or it's just not a good time, you still, you've made a commitment to be consistent and regular. That's the characteristic I see in a lot of my generous friends. They're mm. consistent and they're regular. They don't wait until December to see how the year shook out. Um, you know, the other thing is, um, I, I just think about fear is so gripping. Yeah. And if you have an unhealthy view of money and we went back, you know, we started with abundance earlier today. I mean, that's a, that's a really big thing. I don't know if I'm going to have enough. And so I'm not going to give and I'll wait. That's another four letter word that we left out. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just wait. Wait to yeah. see what the accountant says. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, fascinating. But Carrie, I believe like, I believe so strongly that there is a chance for us. I mean, you're helping multiply this message. Hmm. People can't even pronounce my last name. So, I mean, this is a God thing. We Forms my yeah. Dutch. Okay. You got it. You know, but it's like, I believe we can move the needle on generosity and it's not me. It's God working through us, but you really don't see much of a change in giving since the depression and newsflash. There's some more abundance than back then. Yeah. We're doing okay. Aren't yeah. we? Yeah. That's a weird thing though. Uh, we are doing like we are. I, I remind our congregation of this on a regular basis. We are the richest generation that's ever walked the face of the earth. And yet most of the people I talk to would say they feel broke and strapped and all of that. How do you get past that? What would some early habits of someone's like, man, okay, I know debt's a bad word, but I got lots of it. And I'm not worth, you know, I'll never make any list of any kind. I'll never be a millionaire. What, what are some, if, if you're feeling really tight, if you're young, you're just starting out, what are some habits that people can develop now that pave the way to a generous life, that build. I mean, and I'm talking about money too. We can all be more generous with our words. We can be more generous with what we have. But financially, how do we become a little more generous? So for that leader who's early on, you got to start to start. And I think when we make the decision to be regular and consistent, it just becomes part of the fabric of who we are. And I harp on the seven things, but I'm just saying, I've seen it in our family and we get so much back on social and other ways of people just saying, you freed me up to think that I only could give money and so therefore I'll do nothing. Because when you're generous in these other areas, all boats rise. The most generous people I know, right. Carrie, started giving small amounts and it grew. Set a mm. giving goal. I mean, we set all these other financial goals. I have a friend who is, old. And I mean, hmm. I'm not talking 80 or 90 old. He's 104. Okay. That counts. Okay. Yeah. He's in the club. We talk at least once a month. His name's Stanley Tam, T-A-M, lives in Ohio. He had a tiny little business and made a decision to just give half of his money away. And that little decision way back then 
and he's fine now. He's, you know, he's a wealthy guy, but he's given so much money. I think over 130 million, but he wow. made that one decision early on that we just want to be generous. And I think once you've done that, then you say, we're good to go. The idea that I'll wait to become generous mm -hmm. when I'm making a million a year, never It flies. never works out. In fact, all you got to do is Google the math on it. Y your income or your giving per your income over 100,000, the percentage drops like a rock, especially after a million or 5 million or 10 million of income. It just start moving the dots. I mean, people generally become less, less generous the less, more they make. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because the check just becomes so much bigger. It's like, I'm going to give away $100,000 this and, year. And this, is, and this is a really big problem that I think a lot of Christian givers need to t address. Yeah. And it's that I gave 100K four years ago. My income's gone up a lot more, but I can't get past the fact that I could go to 250 or 500,000. I know we're throwing around some large numbers, yeah. but the point is we don't often, we kind of pick a number with where they give to church, where they give to an organization and it kind of flatlines. And 10 years later, it's the same number. And yet their net worth has gone up and- Yeah, and, and you think you're stuff. being super generous yeah. and you may be the and top donor in the church. Had, exactly. Yeah, and he, he thinks or she thinks you're amazing. But the reality is you should look at how many checks you're cutting yourself. And so that's right? what I that's what I like about the idea of setting a giving goal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can- you know, the Rick Warren story, right? He kept adding percentages. I think Andy talks about this, where it be a yeah. percentage And that was a giver. John Wesley yeah. thing. Yeah. John Wesley did that yeah. too, as I'm sure you know. But isn't it interesting, the influence of story. I love stories. We're going to talk about the videos yeah, yeah, in a yeah. second. But I wanted Stanley, to finish with the video. But Stanley Tam, yeah. you see, he was influenced by R.G. Letourneau. He was influenced by Wesley, you know. And so these stories matter that they get shared and get shared appropriately. And I love to tell pastors, get other people in the pulpit talking about generosity. Yes, you have to, and you should, it's your role as a pastor. But like my former pastor, Kenton Bishore, 30 years, amazing Bible teacher. He said, the reason I have you in is they hear it differently from you. Yeah, They hear it differently from a marketplace person and they connect with you. And Sadly, the devil in our society has created this thing. The church just wants my money. There's this stigma. It's that there's it's there, and uh, it's sad because it's stealing the joy that you get mm. from giving. I mean, I I love to give. I know I call the book I like giving, but it's fun, and and so you know I think just that whole thought about how does it change me or how is it even growing in my own life. I think. I'm really, I'm really harping on that attention thing right now. I just want to be fully present. You introduced me to some neat guys who are running the Orange Conference. And I was mm -hmm. like, was I 80 or 90% there? I was a little distracted. I got a broken finger and a cast on it. That doesn't matter. I want to be 100% there. Right on. And so I'm just, I'm aimed at that right now. That's cool. And, you know, I think that's good advice. I remember when my wife, Tony, and I were first married, we decided we'd be a 10% family to start. And it was really easy at the beginning because 10% of nothing's nothing, right? Like yeah. that's pretty easy. We had, we had a small income. But I remember actually on a more serious note how, how hard that was. And our very first Christmas as a married couple, 
I still don't think the math added up because mm. we had a little ledger book with everything that we were writing down, every pack of gum, everything we bought. And the math didn't add up. We were able to give our 10%, still buy Christmas gifts and the whole deal. And, and you know, it gives an opportunity for God to show up. And he's just never stopped showing up all these years later. Yeah. It's incredible. I love that. Yeah. All right. So you have uh, videos that cumulatively, if I said that right, cumulatively, have had over 100 million views mm-hmm. online. And that's the heart of ilikegiving.com. And it's just really cool everyday stories. I was watching one the other day. I like 98, being 98 <laughs> years old, right? This woman who lost her driver's license. Yeah. It's funny, the power story, right? Because she lost her driver's license. She said, yeah, they were wrong. So I went and took the test. And now I can bring my neighbor who doesn't have transportation to go grocery shopping every week. Yeah. That's, That's right. just a powerful story, right? So, so tell good. us a little bit yeah. about the kind of videos. And I would encourage you guys to go to ilikegiving.com or search it out on YouTube, you're on Vimeo and check this stuff out. But tell us the the, yeah. the idea behind that. Well, it started in 2011. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. So I'm looking around saying, where where's good stories? Where's good ways to help inspire more people to be generous, right? If that's the call. And I could only find like a few talking heads at a conference, maybe, and a white paper somewhere. And I was like, I just love the story element of life. And so we started our first story. I like bug shells, five and seven-year-old girls, three and a half minute story. And they heard about a need for water through World Vision. Right on. And uh, they went around their neighborhood collected pop cans and soda, you know, cans and um, change, 67 bucks. But it was just a powerful story and it went crazy. It had millions of views. So we're like, well, that worked. Let's do that again. High quality film. And so then we just said, what can we do about different ways of showing generosity? So we did one called I Like Adoption. Over 20 million views of that. Wow. And our new aggregate views are now over 120 million. They just keep Man. going crazy. And we didn't pay for any of them to be viewed. Right, And we've right. gotten more reports of people being adopted uh, just because they, they saw the story and they heard God say, that's your sign. So one, so one of my favorite ways to clarify a giving opportunity is to just ask a question. And I had been reading about widows and orphans. And then I was getting my hair cut the next week. And a light went off like, I'll bet Carol, who cuts my hair, knows a widow. I mean, my grandparents are gone. I, where do you find a widow to help? So she's soaping up my hair. You know how you, they tip yeah, your yeah, head yeah. up and then you sit up and you're a little dizzy. And I'm like, where do, you get, where do I get a widow? And it came out a little funny. Oh, yeah, that's you know, awesome. She's like, uh, wow, that's quite you know. a question we don't get every and day. And so she says, I've got Evelyn. She's 88, cuts back on her medicine next week. Husband's been gone. She's just tight. So we started anonymously sending her money for over four years. We thought we'd see her in heaven, right? And then we met her, this silver-haired, you saw her, you guys will watch her. She's just beautiful, spunky, fun, radiated the generous life. And we became great friends. Mm. And then when the book came out, we put her in the book and she has this great line in the book, like money's like a river, it's meant to keep on moving. Sit on that one for Great. a minute. What That's a picture, so good. you know? Because we found out from what we were giving her, she was giving money away. Anyway, I said to her, Evelyn, we got to shoot a film. I like being 98. So we sat in her one bedroom 
490 square foot apartment and interviewed it. And that sucker is over 11 million views. Wow. I just licensed it the other day to National Geographic. They said, we want 2 million homeschool kids a year to watch this on the picture of a generous life. Gary, one question, one widow, one story. Mm. And Evelyn went to heaven. Oh. And man, that week, oh, I just cried. And it wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a normal tear. It was a treasure heart connection tear. God, I loved her. Mm. We just had so much fun. I, I'd take her out for lunch and we'd have to split the lunch because she said, I went through the depression. I can't pay 14 bucks for a salad. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You know, but I mean, this is the power of story, you know? And so I like giving continued on. We have 18 of these films and uh, I never planned to write a book. I mean, come on. I cheated in high school English, so I wasn't yeah, yeah, the guy, yeah. but no, they, wanted, they wanted to do it and we put that together. And then, I, and then I like giving's kind of just moved into this place of, helping create resources for pastors. We have a course now called Cultivate Generosity that really helps create a culture of generosity at a church. And we're just trying to respond to what we're being asked for, you know? They're really good at telling stories. You got to check it out. Uh, Brad, you also do some speaking, right? Yeah, I do. Churches and conferences, Mm -hmm. events, that kind of thing. People want to learn more. What's the website? So um, if you go to ilikegiving.com backslash pastor guide. That's where you can get that free resource we mentioned, because I really think that will help them understand more of this culture of generosity. And then bradformsma.com. We're always, that's more of our marketplace website. And we're always adding new content in there. And, and uh, you know, it's such a big, exciting topic. So check that out. Awesome. And we'll link to everything in the show notes. Brad Formsma, thanks so much. Thank you, Gary. Man, there is so much there. And who doesn't want to become more generous and help other people become more generous? We got show notes and transcripts and some social shares that you can use by heading over to kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 279. I would love to have you do that. And thank you to everybody who shares about this podcast for posting it to social. Uh, We do some fun things. Actually, we've got some... uh, some fun incentives this summer on the socials. So if you haven't checked me out yet, I'm Kerry Newhoff on Instagram, Kerry Newhoff on Facebook, and C. Newhoff on the Twitters. And uh, also our fifth anniversary is coming up in a couple of months. So it's a good time to subscribe. We're going to do some fun stuff. Can you believe it's been five years on this podcast in September? Yeah, but it's going to be amazing. And we are back in a week with a fresh episode. My good friend Ron Edmondson is my guest. He's been on this show before. And we talk about his time transitioning a church. And then he just started as the CEO of Leadership Network. And we talk about the changing landscape of leadership. Here's an excerpt from the next episode. There was this one guy that, you know, I could just about depend on an all caps email from him once a week. You know, I I mean, you could just about depend on, he was going to criticize something and he wasn't going to find anything positive. And, um, And I had to learn how to love him. And part of that was uh, literally um, in the gym. He was an older man, but he, he worked out and I worked out. We had a gym in the facility because we had this huge facility, you know, we had cafe, we had gym, all this sort of stuff. We couldn't pay for it, but we had it. <laughs> and I just went down one time and, and worked out with him, beside him. And I, I said, I, I need some help with something. I said, because I realize 
you may not realize it, but I realize you're just difficult sometimes. I mean, you're hard to like sometimes. And my job is to like you. And I mean, it went something like that. It was kind of somewhat jovial, but yet somewhat. And I found out a story of of him that had been injured years ago and he had never gotten over it. And it happened in the church. Well, once I knew that story, it didn't change. And he was still somewhat that way, (laughs) but we had a relationship. And I had an understanding with him. And so when he would push back and he still continued to push back, I could push back with him. Right. And it was pushing back towards a friend more than- But you had a bond. Absolutely. To the point when I left, it's it's really funny because I thought, how's he gonna treat the new guy? And I, I actually heard from the new guy not too long ago about this guy. And he said, you know, he bragged on you about five different areas that you were good at. Wow. I was like, wow, I didn't think he liked me. And if you subscribe for free, you will automatically get that. And don't forget to head on over to ministryboost.org forward slash carry to get your free volunteer pipeline course, regularly a $49 value. That's an incentive for you. And uh, promediafire.com, it is a complete professional graphics media team, creative team uh, for a fraction of the price of what it would cost you to hire your own. So go to promediafire.com forward slash carry, get 10% off your plans for life as in like forever. So guys, thank you so much for listening. I continue to be on my book writing sabbatical, which is kind of fun. So uh, yeah, I'll I'll be telling you more about that, but uh, summer is the time to write books often for me. And my next book that comes out in 2020, fall of 2020. That's what I'm working on right now. So hope you guys are doing well. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.